writing on the death of one of both this and the previous century's greatest monsters, of a man responsible for the deaths of millions, former Tory MP, Afghan hiking enthusiast and aspiring podcaster Rory Stewart tweeted the following. I challenged Henry Kissinger 35 years ago on Cambodia and was stunned by how defensive and angry he could be with a schoolboy. But when he invited me to his house in Connecticut recently, I found him sharp, courteous and provocative. A centenarian charged with ambition, determined to remain at the centre of events. Despite his recent reach into AI, he seemed still to blend the spirit of Bismarck with the philosophy of the Cold War. Often overweening, but never not serious. Never easy on himself, others, all the world. Herein lies the monstrosity of Henry Kissinger. Fetted by liberals, right-wing psychopaths like Richard Nixon, and bloodless technocrats alike, he ascended to the limits of human ambition atop a mountain of skulls. On his suggestion or command, men, women and children died in undeclared, unsanctioned carpet bombings in Cambodia and Laos, from diseases caused by Agent Orange, and in the prison camps and unmarked graves of Pinochet's Chile. Hundreds of thousands more died in East Timor, where he kept up covert arms shipments to Indonesia, bragging to his murderous hosts, the illegal we do immediately, the unconstitutional takes a bit longer. All this in service of an American empire, an idiot colossus astride the world, causing death and destruction so that its coddled middle classes can go to Disney World carefree under the mass slaughter manufactured comfort blanket of international security, and its entitled fail sons can continue to inherit wealth beyond the dreams of emperors. Such actions, once while they have a place on the gallows, were but a vague annoyance for the powerful elite he surrounded himself with his entire life. The corpses and the stench of blood but a fly to wave away while champagne flutes were raised in his honour. The dark talent of the man was not devising a real politic of murderous expediency, free from morality, decency or conscience, but the ability to cloak himself in such respectability that not once did the executioner's noose ever truly become a threat. Had those who employed him, sought his counsel and fawned over him ever condemned the ghoul behind the easy grin, they would have been forced to reckon with their own willing complicity and murder, rape and torture on a global scale. It is no surprise that here, at the flailing, desperate tail end of the mercifully dying British Empire, his scions can be found still bending the knee to this genocidal titan of military-industrial by-products. Stuart's fawning tribute shows Kissinger's rage at being challenged even by a child but yet his fawning admiration upon Stuart's own ascension to power, to kick those beneath you and suck up to those you consider equal, is the consummate sign of the bully. Had he, in the words of Rory Stuart indeed, never been easy on himself, then he would have found for himself the most painful form of suicide ever devised, or handed himself over to any number of countries whose citizens wished to, nay, deserved to see him rot in a dark jail forever. He did not and instead he lived out his latter days as an elder statesman. Rarely have such words been so perverted. The Tibetan Buddhist tradition knows the idea of the tulpa, a creation of reality through spirituality and concentration. While he never received his justice in this life, we can only hope that the millions of us who are uplifted by his death can, through sheer force of will, create an endless, burning hell for Henry Kissinger. And eternal peace grace and love for those he helped murder. Rest in piss.
Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Practice. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob, mine are he and him. And I'm Alistair, my pronouns are also he and him. And we are joined tonight, um, someone who has finally been able to give us the, uh, I don't know, what's the triple cup? I, I don't know what the fuck mm-hmm, you would yeah. call it, although there's a problem, members. Um, <laughs> Alice Caldwell-Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. I, it, You're welcome. It is about time. Glad that my, my missus will finally stop like accusing me of being discriminatory for, for only ever having uh, Ros and Liam on. I, I, that's a very funny like thing to do as a matter of policy, to be like, yeah, we love Well, There's Your Problem, we're only going to have the, the guys on, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Got to uh, keep the yeah, she hers was, off um... the podcast, so... You know. <laughs> thin, thin end of the wedge. Some of you are being transgendered. You don't even know it. You know, you're going to... Oh, you're all going to be she hers this time next year. Oh, wait. If, no, it does work, though. If we just, we're just really angry with you all episode, we can just refer to you as they, them, and you know, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. If, if, you, if I've really pissed you off, you can hit me with, like, this person. You know, this guest. <laughs> This this guest really thinks that the sex make has an opinion. <laughs> well, yeah, lovely to have you here, and for such um for such positive reasons, um, yeah, we love to have yeah. positive reasons to bring guests. Yeah, on. I, I, I was I, I was sort of uh, the the pitch to me for this one was, do you want to come on and talk about a bunch of really depressing shit? And of course, always, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. very 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 familiar, you know. So this is kind of much of a muchness for me. Well, hopefully I mean, my, we've not my... spoiled that too much by uh, introducing you to the second uh, truly gender-neutral toilet on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've we've have Thatcher's grave. Now we have Henry Kissinger's grave. Uh, so you know, absolutely universal access. Do we I know that is, is because I was be... fully convinced he was going to get Bin Laden? <laughs> well, they just buried him at sea. I mean, yeah, just, I, just I, kick I kind him of, off a boat. Fuck it. I, have you ever read Hunter S. Thompson's eulogy of Richard Nixon? Um, yes, no, I'm not great. smart enough it's, to read. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, he, he suggests flushing him down a, like a storm drain, and I, I kind of, I, I think we should bring that back. You know, mm. I, I don't think buried at sea would be enough. I think they're gonna have to fire him into the fucking sun if they want no one to tamper with the corpse. Hmm. I mean, we Mike sent Ray Henry Kissinger's Mike... corpse to space as a warning. <laughs> just like Henry Kissinger's dead-ass body in space, rigor mortis into a T-pose with a post-it note on his sternum that says, do nothing this guy did. Imagine he, imagine he comes back like the first Star Trek film. <laughs> yeah, this is like a Khan Noonien saying like origin stories. They defrost and like revivify a space-born Kissinger. <laughs> but do you imagine like being the alien civilization that first you know receives those like golden tablets where we wrote some shit on being like hey those guys sound interesting and the next airmail they get is like this frozen corpse with a post-it saying this guy's an the, asshole the, the list the list of objects that humanity has put into space that are gonna like outlive us as a species Voyager 1 Voyager 2 a Tesla and Henry Kissinger <laughs> it, that's, that's a really funny piece of like cosmic littering the sort of imagine- bottle thrown from the window onto the verge of the stars i was gonna say though imagine they're like they get they get the, the the voyager probes and they go oh yeah we'll go and visit them and they're on their way and then the next thing they see is like henry kissinger just smashes through the windscreen <laughs> you get like bird strike by henry yeah. kissinger 
Uh, able to call it Kissinger one last syndrome. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> it's what Honestly, he would have wanted. <laughs> Maybe I'd be. I'm with David. I'm more in favor of firing him into the sun, but I am a little worried that doing that is what triggers the events of the movie Sunshine. Like I wouldn't put it past Henry Kissinger's innate darkness to turn out the sun. Frankly, mm, Henry begins an undeclared war on the sun. Um... <laughs> They've always been at war with the sun. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the most orange of all agents. The plot of Sunshine is that the Americans are sending like a big bomb to the sun. So yeah, it would make sense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sun but a kind of like solar system Cambodia yeah <laughs> yeah the Americans Maybe have had it all they've, got, they've of... had the core and they've had uh, yeah so bomb the centre of the earth bomb bomb the sun mm. and whatever will they come up with next bomb the big asteroid that would otherwise like destroy the earth that's been like a couple of movies uh, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe we get like Mouse is very nearly an anagram of solar so <laughs> You know, Maybe we get like a weird fusion legs. of the two and it's like Henry Kissinger fuses with the sun and he like forever smiles down on us like that baby the, the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z with the sun? <laughs> we just, you just kind of look up in the sky and the face of the sun is now Henry Kissinger's yes. face and a kind of Teletubbies <laughs> war crimes <laughs> crossover. Weird, weird uh, director... The Tubby director. Custard Machine, but it produces napalm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so did the I original, want, to be fair. I don't want to see the Tubby TV in this universe. I think it would be too harrowing, frankly. <laughs> Implying the existence of a kind of, like, like Teletubby Robert Kappa taking photos of napalmed <laughs> Teletubby kids. Yeah. I think you can't explore TV, this stuff too only, much, maybe. The only sound that ever comes out of the Tubby TV is Adagio for strings. <laughs> <laughs> The fifth Teletubby joins the cast and they're just bright orange and just like, don't ask any questions about that. <laughs> what, is a, what does a landmine do to a Teletubby? Uh... <laughs> a demilitarized zone around that little hill they all live in. Again, again, the thing is, when, when you asked me on, it was like, oh, we're going to be talking about like, uh, you know, landmines and civil war and shit. I'd like to see you make that funny. Well, <laughs> do you remember CBBC's show, The Teletubby? Yeah, the, the yellow and red Teddy Tubby have seeded. <laughs> well, Tinky Winky was always very susceptible to the Muslim Brotherhood, you know. Uh... <laughs> Sunny and Shia Teddy Tubbies. <laughs> <laughs> Dipsy committed suicide in the presidential palace today. <laughs> oh well. Um, before we get on to more of more of the same, because uh, I'm sure the Teletubbies, much like war crimes, will return. Um, you know, inextricably linked topics there. But before we do that, Rob, have you got some more local news? I wanted to uh, talk briefly first um, that, you know, once again, um, our schools and our prisons are showing a certain amount of overlap in the Venn diagram. Um, there was a very oh. good but very grim piece um, in Education Uncovered by Warwick Mansell, uh, which is well worth reading. Um, and this is, a, he wrote a, p a long piece about um, a delightful academy called Astrea Academy Woodfields. Um, which has operated a delightful new policy to stop uh, pupils from going to the bathroom too much. Um, and that is by physically oh, locking yeah. the gates uh, with like sh with shutters. Um, <laughs> like uh, once you see no, no Piss November <laughs> extends through the whole school year. I, 
the, th the thing is, right, I, I, I often try as a, you know, as a member of a, you know, a transgender minority to explain to cis people that anti-trans stuff is, it doesn't ever stop there, right? They're not after me, they're after you, I'm just in the way, right? And so you think that the, the trans bathroom stuff is just like a culture war stuff. No, no, this is the thin end of the wedge, and the wedge is making every toilet in Britain inaccessible. No more piss, it's over. Just hold it. Just hold it. The entire country. We put that on the flag in the middle. Just hold it. Yeah, ever heard of Omoroshi? Well, you have now. Put it, put it directly in the sea with the rest of it. <laughs> if, if you want to piss was... in Britain, walk to the sea. <laughs> we thought this was all transphobic, but there hasn't been an existing public toilet since 1972. So yeah. presumably this is just the next part of the way. You, you can you can like piece this stuff together. You can do like a red string conspiracy wall, and and the answer that comes up again and again is that they don't want to piss. Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're really proud of yourself and like a proud Brit for not pissing, you can get like a little thin yellow line patch to put on like your your outfit. <laughs> yeah, whenever, it got really weird about... when the cops started wearing those. Whenever we talk about public toilets, always reminds me of the the real tragedy of when when i used to drive delivery vans for asda there was one public toilet in one area that you might deliver to on a shift that had one public toilet and it was always a relief when you had that place on your route right up until the point i went there one time there was a sofa in it um... <laughs> <laughs> and what it was it was it was watching you so you couldn't go <laughs> well i uh... I stepped over the sofa uh, the first time I encountered it, and then after that, they just locked the fucking thing all together. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, cool. I'm going to need some more details about this bathroom. So, are we, like, two seat, three seat? Like, did it have like, one of the corner was, ones? Were... It, it was... <laughs> okay. Ikea, imagine, imagine you know... if you will, the platonic yeah, ideal of the bathroom, which to my mind... Yeah, Ikea catalogue. <laughs> to my mind, the platonic ideal of the bathroom is the little uh, cubicle thing from Rollercoaster Tycoon. It was basically exactly that with one stall in it <laughs> and a Fantastic. door. And you had precisely 15 minutes to finish your business or you have that experience of being on the train and the door just opening in front of you to the world. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I've also had this this exact thing happen with the train door, and I, I I think that's another data point on the no piss wall, right, is if you insist on pissing, the door will also just fly open at random. Well, I mean, like this, this, this thing yeah. with the uh, with the Australia Academy is like incredibly grim because it's not just about like going to the bathroom for a piss. It's like if you're a woman on your period, you need to get your parents to tell the school because otherwise they won't let you go if you were on your period. Uh, it's it's but like so apart from the, the the period stuff, which is like incredibly gross. This is part of like a, a much bigger trend in like a lot of schools where like going to the bathroom during um, class time is seen as disruptive and must therefore be banned or, or highly controlled. Um, it's it's cool this... how Victorian education just snuck back in when no one was looking. Yeah, is this Burble saying shit? Is she connected to this fucking school? It's not, but she might as well be, because, um, again... Can let I me do read my you first call to violence now? Yeah. <laughs> Every academy is burble sing shit. It's it's all yeah. like this, where it's like, listen, if if we're not allowed to make you like write on slates and cane the back of your hand, then you will never get a job at the business factory, a thing which it's still possible to do. And meanwhile, all of these kids are going like, no, fuck this, I want to be an influencer. Uh, it it just it there's no interface between these two things at all. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Take the kids' phones away and replace them with like uh, t-shirt cannons. <laughs> well, we did. We did. We did a startup on on Trashicha about um, vape detectors in school bathrooms. But this is oh, the, yeah, yeah. the step. <laughs> the step further than that, which is they can't vape in there if you do not let them in. Well, yeah. we know what the the real the real method to keep people out of the bathroom is to shove a sofa in that fucker. Um, <laughs> or makes for a very comfortable vape, though. So high risk, high reward. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the body load from the from that vape is just going to keep you there for the like. If, whole, if, if you're period. vaping, if you're vaping in like the on the bathroom sofa, you are experiencing a level of luxury previously only accessible to like Ottoman sultans. Go for the triumvirate and put the Scott Rail door on the toilet with the couch in it. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that like uh, Australia never allows people to be going uh, to be going to the bathroom because um, they they responded to an email from Education Uncovered. Yeah, uh, you can you can go to the bathroom, but you can't use it because you got to queue up behind every other fucker who needs a shit. Pretty much. Wait, uh, listen, me... do you have to make certain that you absolutely want to use the bathroom by getting on a waiting list that's going to run about five to seven years, uh, <laughs> and then at the end of that, we can like assess you to see whether or not you're still committed to using the bathroom. And then uh, five years after that, you find out that all the bathrooms are still closed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before you go to the bathroom, there's like a brief psych exam. It's like, you know, what do you feel? How do you, you normally off? piss? How do you normally yeah. shit? <laughs> yeah. Do you piss in a normal way or a weird way? Yeah, what do you think about when you piss? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever pissed from a sofa? <laughs> Let me read you like a little bit from uh, this is an in in response to uh, an email sent by a parent whose child generally had to like it's in, at least implied that they had to wet themselves because they were not allowed to use the bathroom oh. in like several times. Uh, this Poor is the kid. reply from from Estrella Woodfield uh, to the parent who. Um, let me just read it. Toilets are available for use at regular intervals throughout the day from 8.15 to 8.25, 10.50 to 11.05, 1300 to 13.35, and 15.10 to 17.00. This would just correspond to before school, during break time, during lunchtime, and after school. Of course, such limited spaces lead to massive queues so that even when the bathroom is open, you probably won't be able to use it. Uh huh. And if you if you if you miss the slot, then you have to wait not just two hours for the bathroom, but like five. In which, some occasions, yeah. Which is a, a, a strong amount of like holding it to be doing. I would I mean, say. I I yeah. hated school, and I always thought to myself, what would make this experience more tolerable is if the bathrooms were like a fucking festival. <laughs> Being <laughs> soaked with your own piss. Yeah. yeah. They should. All the kids should take up a coffee and smoking habit. That will solve the problem. <laughs> Get it all out the road. Halfway the there moment. already, David. So, well, like the, yeah. the 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 parent of this particular child obviously like wrote to the school and said, "My child soiled themselves and was yeah, you have sent me back with a pissy child, <laughs> horrendous." Uh, no, and yeah. the, the, so the, the, what the school then did was instead of you know apologize and revise their frankly insane policy, is revise the in uh, classroom CCTV footage and accuse the child of what? lying. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, uh, th uh, we're we're a step away from like hooking up electrodes to these little fuckers and being Damn. like, <laughs> interesting. Your, your your child claims to need to use the bathroom. However, our data, which, <laughs> yeah. which is being fed yeah. into some like sinister American like billionaire neo Nazis AI training data, uh, is is telling us otherwise. You know, I, I'm assuming database. I was going to say, I'm assuming there's some startup somewhere that's trained in AI to, like, watch CCTV and tell you if anyone involved is pissing. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, Bobby, this see, can, can tell the difference between a piss dance and a Fortnite dance. I mean, Bobby, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little known, it's a little known startup called, I think it's Pulantia or something like that. Was what we were going mm, with? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, doing what this a is, Fortnite is, dance to air dry your own piss off you. I mean, what this is is just an extension of like that maniac, like Amazon fulfillment center. Uh, you know. Yeah. Policy, yeah. You know, it's just it's exactly no, no the piss. same thing. No, no well, pissing. I think the kids should just piss in the classroom. They dirty protest the school. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. But but don't worry. Uh, Australia Australia Woodfield uh, did justify its policy. Uh, this is the last bit I'll read of it. By using the toilets at these times, scholars, that's their word for you know. Scholars. Scholars. Uh, <laughs> okay. Scholars oh, are able to this country. Yeah, each one of these child children is going to open up their own fucking Portion shop. This is the hanging gardens of Bar- weird, Babylon like... mixed up with the uh, Library of Alexandria for some fucking reason. Uh, <laughs> the hanging, the hanging library, very inconvenient. Um, the, I, the thing, the thing about academies, right, is that they all do this shit of like we're gonna incorporate some grammar school or some public school stuff. Uh, we're one step away from Burble Singh making them dress up in the fucking Christ's Hospital gowns. But they, but it's always weird and wrong, and they always have like a a slightly wrong Latin in name and then you you just go well why are you doing this and the answer is well they're going to need to do that in the workplace to which the answer is fucking what workplace yeah yeah, yeah. this decade doesn't even know it's pronounced australia yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i went to australia academy <laughs> um, Austra- australia academy locks the barbecues between certain hours it's really inhumane <laughs> rack um, off be piss <laughs> <laughs> You can only uh, use the ute between the hours of <laughs> getting the ute to school. Yeah. So, so thanking the ute driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. By using the toilets at these times, scholars are able to make the most of lesson time and not miss out on the expert tuition we offer. Equally, lessons. You don't, you are don't not offer just... tuition. You're a teacher. Teachers don't tuition. You teach. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Equally, lessons are not disrupted by scholars leaving for the toilets when others are trying to concentrate and succeed. It is the expectation I, in many I, I, forms I just, of a- maybe maybe things have changed since I was in school, but I don't remember like getting up for the toilet and like f- like Fortnite. <laughs> well, obviously not, but like Fortnite dancing down the aisle to get to the <laughs> fucking toilets. Like, yeah, how much of a disruption yeah. are these kids causing? And it's it's because... vitally important that they concentrate and succeed because the school's probably got them all rigged into fucking jigsaw traps or something. <laughs> I have to get up and go to the bathroom. It's a shame I'm wearing my tap shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's all just fundamentally because they have to ask the teacher for permission to go. If they were free to just get up and leave the classroom quietly, then no one would be disrupted. But the fact that there would be chaos, up... James. <laughs> Don't be silly. You mean and, and you could just leave? Would, you'd be what treated more yeah. like an adult. You know, it yeah. would be it would be closer to non-Amazon workplaces in that respect. Like... Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this, Alice. Let me, read, let me read you the last line. It is the expectation of many forms of employment that comfort breaks are taken in line with this approach, or indeed in longer intervals. Wow, I wonder if there's any distinguishing factor between a teenager and a fucking adult. I mean... I, 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 it's probably like... not great that we're not letting the adults piss either. Like yeah. Yeah, both, both are bad, like but bad that, in different ways or yeah. similar ways, but more more extreme ways. I just I I didn't think that um the kind of like 
labor rights union fight of the coming generation was going to be are you allowed to piss at work or do you have to hold it until you get home? Yeah. Pissing at work is the new wanking at work. <laughs> oh, yeah, the unions fought for wanking at work. I mean, well, they had a... <laughs> British Rail was decimated by the wank strikes. Well, I'm, I'm going to shamelessly jump on this, like... You know, I think, uh, like... Um, no, 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 stop the it. I have the to future, jump. I have to all do the, this. All, like, the, all the work uniforms you. will be still suits. <laughs> <laughs> right, I am to, to fasten your your um, steel toe cap boots desert style. <laughs> right, we will never get a better jump from one topic to another than this. Uh, that's because uh, there, there's one more bit I wanted to discuss before the main topic. I don't so, know, like that you... one last week from like the fucking IDF cum retrieval squad into like <laughs> death and destruction was pretty close, fucking good. Close, close, close. <laughs> um, so the um, the online safety bill recently passed. You know, this was to protect the small children from all the bad things online um mm -hmm, yeah and as part of that all internet platforms now um are being demanded by the uk government that they that they themselves stop minors from accessing harmful content uh, this of course includes uh, pornography i'll just hide all the harmful content in the school toilets <laughs> yeah and just lock it in there you know yeah but now, i know we've uh, left a sofa in there with all the pornography <laughs> <laughs> But now, of course, uh, there the comes a question of, well, how is that to be done? Well, Ofcom recently re provided its guidance. In the this. stupidest way imaginable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they were told time and time again to kick this bill into the long grass because it was all the ways of implementing it were not only impractical, but also stupid. And I'm possible, so, right? so excited to find out which one they've gone for now. Well, there's four mm. options, uh, one more delightful than the other. So the government is demanding that this is done through age verification by sites like Pornhub and others. So there's not a central portal run by the state. It's up to the companies to do it. Uh, the four methods are uh, they can scan ID documents like passports, which is easy and uh -huh. delightful. Uh, they can do yeah. credit card checks. You get a stamp in your passport if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they can check if age restrictions have recently been removed from a mobile phone. I'm not sure how that proves how old you are, but, you know. Well, if you've turned good. 18 and you've removed the age restrictions. The the last option, though, is certainly well, the most delightful. Uh, this is from a piece in uh, uh, on the BBC website by Chris Valance. Um, facial age estimation technology that will scan users' faces. <laughs> age estimation. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That's that's really dark shit because yeah. like all of this other stuff of like going you know you have to go to the post office and apply in writing for a license to wank right fine whatever <laughs> silly bullshit but like the home office is constantly in deportation fights where it's yeah. like looking at someone who claims often truly that they are a child and then the home office goes no you're not you are 46 years old and we are going to deport you to wherever the fuck um and but at least, having at least you'll be allowed to look at porn on the way out. Well, exactly, and having the uh, the like the software there that's able to like estimate age, however unreliable it is, you can point to the the you know the home office using it for for this and say, listen, we used state of the art technology to determine that you are actually forty six uh, and not twelve, and therefore get deported. So yeah, state of the art technology, i.e., the same technology you use at a fucking American fair where you're trying to estimate how many jelly beans are in a fucking mason jar. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But don't worry, Alice. They've they've thought of all this. Um, this is another Good. quote from the same article. For systems that compare a photo ID such as a pass passport with a user's face, for example, they should do a liveness check to guard against children who try to use a borrowed or fake <laughs> idea uh, and a photo of someone older to fool the system. 
Drink verification can to continue. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> a liveness check is incredible, though. Like, so it's, yeah. you know I mean? it's just going to be kids uploading GIFs. I, th I think that, blanking like, might that... be too much work now. Like, it's I kind of don't want to do it anymore. AI or whatever? <laughs> I mean, the upside of all a this is that we wellness might... check is really cursed, just as a concept. Like, are you sure you want to be doing this? <laughs> the only, the only, truly, are the you only, back like... again already? Mm. <laughs> Jesus, you have stamina. Um, Pornhub like... just like lightly shaming you. I've been like, listen, are you? Do you? Are you okay? It's like God, in casinos imagining... where they have to do, they have to check on you every so many hours. Yeah. yeah. You, know that, you know that guy who got like the email from Netflix because he's been watching The Office for like a week solid, just in the background on repeat. Imagine getting those from Pornhub. That would be quite an experience, frankly. No, I, I imagine that with Pornhub, like the, 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 shambles. the, the, the screen. Yeah, we, we noticed you've been watching The Orifice for a week. <laughs> with with Pornhub, I imagine that like the screen just flashes bright red and says, you know, like you this session has lasted more than four hours. Please consult a physician. You know, it's it's it'll just <laughs> make me. <laughs> uh, you know, but of course, like you know, it, it, this is this isn't happening. This is too idiotic. And like, but it, it, even if it happens, even if it like partially happens, imagine like all the like IDs and the personal data of like hundreds of thousands of you know porn sites, all of whom are very reliable. You know, the the the, the websites mm -hmm. of the hosts and the people behind them, and of course the potential, the endless potential for blackmail, fraud, outing people's sexual preferences to all and sundry, and you know. Yeah, anything and everything along those lines it's it's a fucking horrifying piece of legislation yeah good thing yeah, it'll probably not happen though because it's it's on par with that fucking like we'll make numbers illegal yeah i mean <laughs> when they yeah. try to ban it's, it's also yeah chemicals also... that's now verboten you can't have chemicals anymore we've heard of dihydrogen monoxide and we are not fans of it yeah. <laughs> the bit in the new psychoactive substances act that accidentally banned coffee for a week or so yeah <laughs> i mean i i think the other reason this won't happen is that it touches too closely on stuff that tory mps like to do in the same way that they tried to ban poppers and then were like no, no hold on a minute hold on we need to we need to think about this very carefully um, you know, th there are too many Tory MPs out there gooning who will be incriminated <laughs> and, you know, put into a kind of, like, database uh, for this to, you know, be plausible, yeah. I think. This I is the kind of, like, this is the kind of policy that you would realistically hear talked about by Tories but never implemented by them, but Labour would be Labor will all over it. the shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, you would oh, have what? to, like, Star slot your ID card into your computer on a special port. <laughs> oh, everyone has to yeah, get like those, those fucking NHS keyboards. I was going to say those keyboards they have at the job centre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to have that, like, uh, uh, when I lived in Belgium, it was, like, mandatory to, like, access some of your, like, state stuff. That, like, you'd have to have, like, USB card reader and plug, like, your uh, uh, ID permit in to, like, log into certain things. So, like, you could literally use such a function. Because then you could have ID cards so that Labour could combine ID cards and no wanking. Mm -hmm. Don't That's give them ID. Starmer listening to this and the light bulb going on. <laughs> well, if they're still listening... Uh, no, I, I, think, can... I think ID cards that you plug into your computer is a good idea because then 
you know what I mean? Like, instead of just phoning old people and telling them that you're Bill Gates and they need to turn their computer on for you, you'd have to, like, at least come down from their ceiling like Tom Cruise. Sorry, I've just had the, the image of Tony Blair unbidden appear in my head, mm. given it the, hello, Smithers. Did it, did it put you off? <laughs> oh, I did, yeah. Maybe that's what they flash up on Pornhub when you've been at it for four hours, just Tony Blair's face. <laughs> Tony's worried about you. <laughs> the red crossover red between Tony Blair and Ceiling Cat, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so beyond all that, let's now talk about something that's truly very funny um, and delightful, and also one of the reasons um, that I asked Alice to, to join us today. So... Um, as we, we might remember uh, from last week or two weeks ago, um, David Cameron is once again back in government, specifically as hmm. foreign secretary. And apart from, you know, all the delightful pig jokes that we once again got to, to dust off, um, I thought mm -hmm. it'd be important to talk maybe about his single biggest foreign policy achievement credit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think it's also because it's, it's basically Imagine one having of to install like a fucking liveness check in the pig's head. Before <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also because I think um, the 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 bombing campaign and the subsequent destruction of Libya as a functional country reigns like one of our sort of less well remembered adventures into creating like absolute foreign policy disasters on like an and oh, yeah. misery on a, on, mm. a, on a truly impressive a rare scale. Ed Miliband W. Uh, we yeah. we genuinely we memory hold this one yeah um yeah. and yeah you know, uh, thanks for you know any opportunity to flex the like foreign policy war studies bullshit um because th you know this is genuinely wild that no one seems to think about it at all and no one seems to remember this yeah, it, it. I mean, it's. It, we've. I think we've also sort of mainly managed managed already to like memory hall stuff like Afghanistan, and we're not allowed to talk about mm -hmm. Northern Ireland whatsoever because you know the brave boys. No. Um, but but this yeah, one just fine seems now. To, we fixed yeah. it. Yeah. That, that's Yay. been that's been great discussing you know sort of like uh, war crimes lately and uh, opposition to war crimes as a British value, um, where it's like oh some of the stuff that you know we uh, we did in northern ireland and what we did to then cover it up uh very very familiar in a lot of ways but yeah mm. yeah and, but what i found interesting when i was reading about this is it it, it it like it is also the sort of last gasp of of sort of war liberalism under like a noble banner uh, you know, muscular the liberalism who who's yeah. got that on their bingo card because that's, the... that's an old one hmm <laughs> the responsibility to protect stuff you know like the uh you know yeah we're not, we're not doing this because we're just psychos who lust for the blood of brown people we're doing this for for noble reasons um yeah well I, I i i do feel at times a little bit ambivalent about about livia in this in this way and i think part of the reason why is because much like Bosnia, you had this situation where your muscular liberals were very, very, very excited. They were plugging their like ID cards into their keyboards to jerk off to the <laughs> idea of like finally having a war that like on its face was justifiable and then going, yeah. all right, let's fucking do it. Let's all the way, you know? And the this other thing one I, that Hillary I find Ben sort of... went hard for, isn't it? Yes. Mm. 
The the other thing I found really remarkable is like when when reading up on this is like it 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 because this all happens in two thousand eleven and even then it is truly like astonishing to see how little like the the UK and France and the US learned from their recent own handiwork in Iraq and Afghanistan and just like dove mm. headfirst into yet another Arab nation without understanding anything of its cultures its politics its religious makeup or really much of anything like well, all the stuff I've read is like they all say. Oh yeah, nobody understood Libya. Nobody knew what they were doing. They were just throwing bombs around. They, well, nobody is, knew what the fuck yeah. that country was. It, it, it's a kind of like muscular liberalism, like campist thing, right? To say, uh, you know, Bosnia, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, all of them exist in the same kind of like moral landscape, which is, do you think it's good for us to be bombing other places if I tell you it's a good idea, yes or no? Yeah, yeah. The, the the other thing that I found remarkable, again, certainly in comparison with with Iraq, is the um, the, the same thing happened. Like the, the 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 David Cameron government and the Sarkozy government were heavily influenced by these like uh, Libyan emigres who all wanted to like in have Western powers invade and then use that invasion to vault themselves into power. It's literally it's what we did with Ahmed Chalabi again. But, you know, mm. seven years later, just just teed up. It's incredible that no lessons I mean, it's were the, learned. It's the evergreen, the evergreen onion article title, right? Uh, this will destabilize the Middle East for years to come versus no, it won't. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, as a, as a sort of broad outline, uh, I briefly want to talk about, like, the, the, the pre-Civil War and pre-NATO bombing campaign history of, of Libya, because it is, a f like, it's a fascinating country. Um, the hmm. Civil War itself with the NATO-slash-UN intervention, and then what happened after and specifically also what didn't um happen after so like uh in terms of like let's just start on like a brief of like pre-history of of modern libya and like this is i'm wildly glossing over a whole bunch to present something vaguely coherent and not you know sure here for, for seventy thousand hours um so Libya itself is basically cobbled together out of the ruins of the uh, ottoman empire um it it, it basically three of its old provinces um Tripolitana in the west, Fezzan roughly in the south, um, consisting mainly of the desert, and Cyrenaica in the east. Basically, the east's the east-west divide remains very, very important. Um, they, mm. after World War II, uh, the French um, and the United Nations basically installed a, a monarchy under King Idris the uh, First. But he basically he only cared about the eastern half, about Cyrenaica. Um, it was at the time. Yeah, everyone forgets when... what Idris was up to before he had his first breakout role. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very funny that at that time the kind of like post-war historically progressive move from colonialism is check it out guys we're going to give you a king yeah <laughs> revolutionary <laughs> i mean it, it was also um back then at least one of the very poorest countries uh, in the world when when it was put together um not just because it as as then yet had no serious natural resources, but also uh, because the uh, desert wars were fought significantly. Tobruk, for example, in World War Two, um, so the whole yeah, country they, uh, was. They like, hadn't they hadn't yet had the EU come up to them to give them vast sacks of money to do. Mm, let's not go into detail. Uh, the detail <laughs> on that will, will, will come later, though. I'll spare you a lot of that detail. Um, 
is um, and basically what happens is in return for like aid, aid and sort of amount of state building, particularly from the United States, um, they said, well, we'll give you money, but only if we are allowed to use army and uh, air bases uh, in your country, uh, specifically by the UK and the US, because of course there is no such thing as a as a free lunch. America, Americans love an air base like nothing else. Yeah. And and you yeah. get a you get a counterbalance to Egypt, which is the important thing because uh, this NASA guy, we got some problems with him. Yeah, he do, he doesn't seem seem very very nice or, or particularly um, well stable. Yes, yeah. putting a guy on yeah. the moon, don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, it, but basically, Libya stops being a very poor country once oil is discovered in the late fifties, early sixties. Um, it swiftly becomes a, a large, a major exporter. It's still the country with, I think, Africa's largest proven oil reserves. And it, uh, yeah, it's the, this kind of like natural resources trap of your economy yeah. develops entirely into the petrodollar. Yeah, it, it does so very quickly um, under then still King Idris. And of course, it, it has all the hallmarks of every other, you know, rapidly developing um, resource trapped petrostate, which is uh, a small upper layer that gets incredibly rich and corruption runs rampant and, you know, not much is shared to the people uh, below. But then in 1969, in one of the, you know, sort of you know, not uncommon officer coups in the broader Middle East, uh, Muammar Gaddafi overthrows King Idris in 1969 while the king is abroad in Turkey for medical care. They take over and basically uh, the king doesn't come back because otherwise they would have killed him. I think he ends up dying in Egypt uh, in, in exile, basically. It's it's sort um, of what one of one of your classic North African coups, and you know, uh, very gentlemanly in a way. Is you wait until the guy's out of town, and then you call him <laughs> up and you go, "It's you know, it's Jova. Uh, stay yeah. there." Yeah, El, yeah, your holiday yeah, is now El permanent. Leaders really should not go to Turkey. It never works out in their favour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the BBL that Idris was getting in Turkey, you know, came at a huge cost. <laughs> But launches, uh, he was lying there with a massive, massive ass, massive ass, totally white teeth, going fuck. Oh yeah, fuck this. I'm also like not. In, I'm also not entirely sure whether or not like the CIA and MI6 knew of the Gaddafi coup beforehand, but they definitely were okay with it going ahead. Um, but they both of them definitely yeah, knew. Sixty-nine. Ask me in like seventeen years when it's declassified. You yeah, know. Yeah. Apparently, though, the, the, the British were backing a different faction, like a different group of colonels, uh, and Gaddafi just basically got there first, which is an incredible, like, like side note. Um, yeah, you also, got a colonel and you got different, different colonel, yeah. you know. Also, s speaking of, you know, the more personal, the man, Gaddafi, at the time, a extremely uh, very handsome colonel. I mean, you know, Google those pictures, <laughs> like, good, good looking doesn't, guy. Doesn't last, you know, doesn't last, which is a shame, you know. Yeah. I mean, but at the time, you know, with the, with yeah, that, for sure. with, should, with the should, army should uniform, have done a Stalin, small you know, drone, big mustache. Yeah, mm. it's a shame. <laughs> what third wayism do to it, MF? <laughs> <laughs> Um, he then, I mean, he, he accretes to himself many titles. My favorite one being um, that he called himself the brotherly leader and guide of the revolution, uh, which was his official title for a while, um, <laughs> which I think I will also style myself the same. Uh, yeah, Gaddafi, Gaddafi ideology is really, really interesting because it's a, a total, uh, like, it's an idealism of convenience, right? And so if you yeah. want to, you know, suck up to the Soviets a bit, you are, you are leader of a, a revolution. If you want to suck up to the Pan Arabists a bit, you're 
you're a leader of an Arab revolution. Um, and it just kind of, it's quite flexible in that way. Pragmatic, even. Neutrality I mean, with extra steps. In, in terms of its pan-Arabism, like, he goes so far as to almost create, like, Tom Clancy's ultimate nightmare by creating, like, a sort of super state with Libya, Egypt, Sudan, and later joined by Syria. And they state their intention to form one unified state. It doesn't go much of anywhere, but it just puts me in mind of Tom Clancy books, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the other thing about Gaddafi is that he had this tendency to the grandiose, um, which is very funny. Um, yes. And so he, he would announce these things and often people would sign on to them. The, the opposite of this is in his later years when he goes a bit more nuts where he tries to partition Switzerland, which I do support doing. <laughs> <laughs> They've had it too good for too long. Carve that well, yeah, it, it was it was to like to trigger the libs at the UN. He proposed uh, like dividing Switzerland between uh, like Germany, France and Italy. Is UN shit's always the best I will visit the UN, but only if I get a big tent. <laughs> yeah, you love, yeah, man loved his tent. Man, not only did, like not only just a tent, a uh, bulletproof tent as well, because he didn't trust hotels with you know. I, I think he was tent. he was right Walls. to do so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not um, a fan of know, rigidity. It, it it should also go without go go without saying that uh, briefly uh, he was also trained by the UK military because we. We trained everybody. Yeah, um, I, I I want to say he went to Santos, but I'm not no, sure if that's true. He no, he didn't ah. go to Santos. He he was like he was in regimental training. Well, that's the problem. You know, had had he done that, we would he would have been a lot more normal. I I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically, uh, Gaddafi begins his rule by specifically tossing out uh, the Italians, um, a lot of forced emigration as well, as well as basically ejecting the UK and the US from its aforementioned military and air bases, uh, as well as throwing um, British petroleum out of its role in um, Libyan oil production. This was, of course, the bit that made him very, very popular uh, in the West. Mm. The you, don't, you don't have to hand it to him, but sometimes he doesn't make that easy, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, he does He does continue sort of in, in, but in like a weird sort of... Muammar Gaddafi, a land of contrasts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like he does, like he sort of during, especially during the 70s and 80s, he continues to sort of be like a thorn in like NATO or the West's like side because he, he keeps he supporting He gave people like, so many guns yeah. and so much explosives. Like yeah. fucking anybody, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the IRA, the Bader Meinhof group, fucking, you name it. The, the, 70s, the 70s were an incredible time, right? Because if you wanted to be a political terrorist, you either had access to like a suitcase full of money from the CIA for Operation Gladio on the strategy of tension. Or you had Gaddafi's guys dropping off like a crate of AKs and going, <laughs> okay, great, you know. <laughs> yeah, Acme crossed out on the side and Libya underneath <laughs> it. <laughs> really like agent of chaos at this time, which I, I you know, again, you don't have to hand it to him, but it's yeah, one, one of those things in geopolitics. Easy. It's it, it's it's not good, but it is funny sometimes. There, there is an incredible story. This is in in 1980s that apparently there's or allegedly there's like a four nation dogfight in the skies over Libya, mm. uh, where uh, Italia, yeah yeah yeah, it's Italia flight 870. It goes down, and nobody quite knows what happens to the flight because apparently the U.S., France, Italy were all trying to shoot down not that flight but an, a Libyan uh, plane that might have had Gaddafi on board, and the Libyan air force had come up like to the rescue so they were like four nations yeah, they shot down they shot down a mig in, in sicily we uh we yeah. did an episode of this on well there's your problem the eustica massacre 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, in, in Gaddafi's military history, he fights my favorite named war, which is he goes to war with Chad. Um, to the point that the U.S. <laughs> yes. he, he he goes to war with, uh, with Chad. The U.S. has to like step in so the Ch the Chadians win. Uh, but it's called the Toyota War. It's the first use of the technical. Um, because yes. these these like early Toyota like Hilux and Land Cruiser trucks, people realize you could just like strap uh, a, like a crew served weapon on the back and just yeah. drive through the desert and embarrass the Libyans, and it worked very well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's like a long like sort of the the Libyan like forays into chad and its politics are wild that's like a whole story mm. in, in in and of itself but yeah like alice like you already um uh, briefly mentioned like this sort of eclectic um international politics of the, the which we, which he went on that's well it's a book as well called third international theory which is kind of mm. it's it's a weird fusion like it rejects marxism because of its atheism it rejects western capitalism because you know it it, it's obvious it, reasons yeah for the obvious reasons but it basically it's a sort of socialist nationalism that allows it to fuse with like forms of islam it's a weird 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 mix. secret third thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> the the first islamic socialist uh yeah. he, he was not um, <laughs> but yeah yeah he, Read, he reading this, your he copy this... of capital facing towards mecca things like this that, that, yeah i'm often doing such things um but yeah he he had this book the green book it's sort of modeled after after mal um and it's it's a weird read um and again sort of Ideologically, you can you can kind of find whatever you want in it, so long as it's uh, being obedient to the government of Libya. Yes, yeah, that that really was the, the the main thing. Although I have to say, you know, strong strong man for for surviving as many assassination attempts as he did over the years, mm. like yeah. uncountable numbers. The CIA, the French, the military, <laughs> uh, Islamic hardliners, pretty much like. All of them tried more than once to get rid of Gaddafi, and yeah. none of them. <laughs> Rasputin eat my whole ass. <laughs> he's he's up there with Castro in the sort of like you know the matrix of political assassination survivors, with you know like JFK at the bottom, where it's like you know bitch made got domed off effortlessly to Castro at the top, where it's like Chad mode. They're putting thallium salts in my boots. Uh, you know, haters are seething. He's 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 close. He's up there. He's past De Gaulle. You know. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's, how seriously how seriously were the CIA taking that? Were they doing the exploding cigar shit with him, or were they like trying harder? <laughs> I think mainly they I, were I like. Don't know, yeah. I think mainly the CIA was like giving suitcases of of money to like whichever faction of the military they could you know convince to to give it to give it a shot. Um, the yeah, main thing and that... Libya had a, like a, a surprisingly intense military, uh, although it didn't really serve it well whenever it needed to. Like it, it kind of they bought a lot of shit from the Soviets because oh, we'll, you know we'll, we'll that, get that's... that that's a very crucial bit. We'll get to the shit from the Soviets, but yeah, they had mm. Libya is like a country awash with guns and bullets, like to to a truly ludicrous uh, uh, degree. Um, the main thing that sort of that's was the it, interaction. Sorry, the, just we're on the weird military. Was it Gaddafi who had the the like detachment of armed female bodyguards? Yes, yes it was. Yes, it was. Excellent. Uh, like the, some the, sort the, of like mid tier Metal Gear Solid boss. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Of of the standards of personal weirdness, again, it's like it's it's no Charles Taylor's gold AK, but it's it's up there, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, there was that that famous. Um, I think he, yeah, that was when he went to meet uh, Berlusconi in like two thousand two or two thousand four, and he showed oh, up. They were like, they were buds too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they showed up in like in, he showed up in, in in his full military uniform with all his female guards, and like instead of all his like um his 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 salad with all his medals on his chest, he had like a a big picture of like a group of rebels that the Italian government at the time had shot. Like it was a. It, it, <laughs> 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 I mean, it was, my, it was, first, it, my first thought when you mentioned like the female bodyguards is that's a clever move because Agent 47 can only take disguises from men. But yeah, his, his main, not the only one, but of course, one of the main interactions you get between the UK and, and Libya is, of course, the uh, Lockerbie uh, bombings um, and the subsequent UN economic sanctions, which um, are lifted after Gaddafi gives up suspects in that bombing whether or not i don't know, i think there's still like some questions as to what really happened there but i didn't read up mm, on it yeah. Oh, yeah there is yeah there's but a lot the, the, but the libyans also pay a certain amount of compensation to the families of the dead and that lifts the the sanctions and as well starts um like a reintegration of libya into quote unquote the west specifically in 2003 because this is post this was this was a huge win for the like guy carrying a leather portfolio to work uh at the foreign <laughs> commonwealth office yes who's who's like yeah we've we've brought this country into uh like into the international community again they're like a staunch ally now and it ha how much of a staunch ally they were is we immediately started extraordinarily renditioning terrorism suspects to them yes um yeah, yeah. The the fact that like we sent people to Libya to be tortured, we did that like by order of David Miliband. The fact that we knew about it and we sent the memos saying like, hey, can you torture this guy for us? And they, you know, Libyan intelligence would go like, yeah, cheers. That's one of the major reasons why you do not have to hand it to Gaddafi is no. we knew perfectly well all the shit he was up to because we were taking advantage of it for like about a decade. Yeah, I mean, this was this was I mean, not the first uh, British prime minister I suppose to have a deal in the desert, but this was the original deal in the desert between Tony Blair and then Gaddafi. And apart from like a normalization of relationships, as well as a surrender of his chemical and nuclear programs, which in hindsight probably shouldn't have done that one. Um, <laughs> or, or, also, and the torture, of course, uh, also included a $900 million uh, oil exploration deal between the Libyan National Oil Company and British Petroleum back on the scene after being kicked out by Gaddafi as well. Um, hmm. And then, of course, you get what we'll talk a bit more about later, but the uh, also the reintegration with the European Union, uh, who drop uh, its their sanction in exchange, of course, for helping with the small boats problem. You know. Also, a lot of little corruption bungs, like all of a sudden, like the Gaddafi sons get to go to like the LSE yes. or like uh, play play football in Italy, uh, which was another weird one because uh, he had one of his sons was a terrible footballer, but got into a professional club in Italy uh, entirely Imagine... through uncorrupt ways. Imagine being one of the guys that just like in the same class as like Gaddafi's children, or like on the same like. That lost a football team at university. I, like, who, who I understand that going to the LSE is kind of like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being uh, like the one normal guy in that class. 
basically, <laughs> like, I won't say any, everything's, like, normal and good, but by, like, the 2000s, so after all this, this sort of, it reintegrates with the West, uh, Libya is a, is a reasonably wealthy country. It's up there with, you know, sort of the lower tier of the European economies. Um, the UN ranks it really high for, like, human development. It's the highest in Africa. Like, people have incomes yes. and jobs, and it's, it's a, you know, it's getting there. Like, you know, it's, getting It's well, kind exactly, of, it's but, the same... It's the same settlement as Saudi Arabia or the Gulf states in a lot of ways that they're now trying to diversify away from, which is we will have like extremely generous social services in exchange for no freedoms whatsoever. And you have a job where you work for the government, you kind of do nothing um, and, and you're just paid to do that, which is fine if you can sustain it. But there are a few obvious problems there. Yeah, the the main obvious problem, uh, of course, comes in. I'm skipping ahead in time now, but comes in early 2011 because this is when the Arab Spring happens, and specifically uh, the first one is, of course, in Tunisia, so next door, uh, where the protesters overthrow uh, the dictator Ben Ali, and these protests spread over to Libya, particularly in 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 the eastern part of the country, in Benghazi, in Misrata, in the Cyrenaica province, where the where the king originally came from again this is that east west split that you have to have to keep an eye on and this comes at a time of lower oil prices and therefore higher unemployment as well as a sort of a pickup or sort of a more oh, yeah. notice this was like we were like sub hundred dollars a barrel territory at that point weren't we yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, ch cheap oil uh less money for stuff also a lot of corruption um yeah. and this is the thing like if you don't keep some kind of check on that like affecting people ordinary people if you don't keep that to the highest levels if you have to pay a bribe to like get a driver's license or whatever or get your license for wanking in libya people start to get pissed off at that especially if there's less money yeah yeah uh, or or if the internet connection speeds aren't aren't high enough um yeah uh, yeah M me me as a libyan i'm the only person rioting specifically for like 5g uh broadband <laughs> you know i want fiber to my door and i have this ak and i'm prepared to go out and get it uh, so yeah the, the protests basically as i said begin in in the east specifically in um benghazi which leads to um the army opens up fire on uh protesters and hundreds die it's it's very very ugly and again you don't have to hand it to uh Gaddafi. Yeah, the worst he, day was, he was gonna history. create he was gonna create a united states of africa that's why they had to do it to him and it's like well not yeah. exactly this I mean, is, this is... Also, this is the other thing about the, the Libyan military, is that they switched from, in 2003, because, you know, no, no more Soviets, they were still buying some stuff from the Russians, but we became a great uh, exporter of shit to Libya, and the shit that we exported to Libya, Britain specifically, was not good. Our whole defense industry is like, we have a couple of big players like BAE, and then a bunch of little cottage industries that work out of, like, industrial estates making torture devices and, like, riot control devices. Um, and all of those guys were selling to Libya because the government put a big thumbs-up stamp on it. So we were selling them the fucking thumbscrews and the tear gas launchers uh, that, you know, they were using before they moved into live ammunition. And when, when they did we were selling them the sniper rifles from accuracy international yeah 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 i mean it, britain as always plays its own extremely ugly role when it comes to um the the, the arms industry yeah. we should wild. only be allowed to sell things that don't do harm like the ajax <laughs> <laughs> i mean along with the french who also have like an incredible like arms industry and you know no moral conscience whatsoever 
Mm-hmm. Libyans yep. ask him why there's a fucking uh, flag with a microphone and a sickle on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a, a, a reasonable question that you might ask, it were you a Libyan who is being shot at by your own government, is why do all of these guys have uh, American, French, Belgian, British firearms shooting at me? Uh, Normal reasons. Yeah, what, yeah. Why, why are the prime ministers of these countries talking about Gaddafi as a strategic ally? Uh, why, when we break open the uh, the headquarters of the security service that abducts and tortures people, are there a bunch of memos like from people with .gov.uk email addresses? Yeah, no, it, um, it, yeah, it it gets it it's 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 truly wild. It's also like wild how when this conflict gets started and when like the specifically the French in the UK like start to get on their like moral intervention high horse how quickly they forget or brush under the carpet their complicity with everything but everything that that went on in in, in the years before so basically yeah. what what happens in in so the yeah, timeline we really in, are in, such a like the uk and obviously america to i suppose a greater extent just so fucking low rent it's like yeah mm. we're gonna we're gonna invade this country because we kind of just feel like it and also it'll generate a bunch of headlines which we really like so who's to say if it's bad or not yeah, yeah so- or, or conversely, the earlier side of that, which is we are besties now because you have bought like, uh, you know, 50 castle prods from Baz torture devices that's working out of <laughs> yeah. like somewhere in Essex. Yeah. So a number of cities, again, specifically in the east, sort of go into rebel hands along with a number of army units. Um, and they organize themselves into what is sort of a provisional government known as the National Transitional Council or the NTC. This is sort of... This will later be recognized by everybody as the real government, you know, shades of Venezuela. Um, but mm. it, and specifically, because this is, it really is like, uh, to, 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 to get back to where we started, um, France under Sarkozy and the UK under David Cameron really get like their war hard on. Like they really, really mm. want to prove their, their big boys. And everything I've read about it, it's like those two drive it. It's not the Americans who want to yeah. do this. The Americans are like, uh, okay, yeah, I'm we'll sure. I'm sure Nick Clegg was also beside himself. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But but Sarkozy is an interesting one too because he he tried to make this his legacy while being as corrupt as Gaddafi was, um, and that being the thing that sort of like ended up being his legacy is you know getting arrested and and well, indicted I mean, for various corruption. It, it, he is still slated to go back on trial in 2025 for allegedly receiving 50 billion dollars from Gaddafi for his 2007 uh, election campaign. That trial is still <laughs> these, to be held. These hoes truly not loyal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So it's sort of shades of what we see now, certainly with with Palestine, but also you know all the excuses that we heard um, around Iraq at the time. You know, one of the things that, that David Cameron claims that um, it's necessary to institute a no-fly zone because otherwise Gaddafi would fly in mercenaries. Um, you know, along with unproven claims of massive civilian massacres and other tales of horror that are basically spread, like I said, by emigres with a naked desire to take control in any. Um, Imagine being Libyan a Libyan Gusano. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is the thing, the the like complex bit in that, like Syria, you do have a thing where it's like, no, the government really does not give a fuck about human rights, and it really will kill you. Um, but on the other hand, the evidence for this is coming from places that you have to approach with some skepticism, uh, yeah. and we signally failed to do that because we wanted to do the stuff that we did anyway. 
No, and, uh, the no-fly zone was only implemented because the West was terrified about the revolutionary power of the Third International Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to create a United States of Africa. <laughs> they were just about to get there. Um, they're they're yes. waiting for that last signature, and, you know... <laughs> yeah, it was a no-fly zone because they just hate the offspring. <laughs> Keep them out of Libya. They can't be trusted. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, on, on 17th of March 2011, the UN Security Council decli- declares the, the no-fly zone. Um, but all, the resolution also f- specifically forbids foreign intervention on the ground. That's, of course, the bit that nobody fucking uh, listens to. Um, of course. The, the no-fly zone was basically said to be necessary because everybody predicted, and I think they were probably right, that if they didn't do that, that Gaddafi's like, regular army would have crushed the uh, Transition Council. They they wouldn't yes. have won without um, uh, first, like, a no-fly zone, but then, of course, very quickly after you get a massive mission creep, uh, because the commanders say, well, no-fly is all well and good, but, you know, Gaddafi's army isn't like it has an air force but that's not their their party piece mm. their party piece is 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 wheeled vehicles and track vehicles on the ground so they say yeah. well if there's a no fly there's also they sort of spiritually extend that into a no drive zone so yeah know. and the special forces went into <laughs> libya much <Fucking> much you les <laughs> yeah the you les um but no, doing they, they... season three of the expanse ship where you just keep lowering the speed limit <laughs> but, but both Britain and France put special forces into Libya much sooner than either of them oh, acknowledged. Yeah. And Britain Britain immediately, we got owned on this one because we, we sent in some, uh, some SIS guys and an SIS team to guard them. They flew in to meet the rebels and the rebels immediately went, who the fuck are these guys? We will immediately arrest you and record all of this on camera phones and disseminate that footage. Um, <laughs> which blew the whole thing wide open and was very embarrassing. Um, but... Otherwise, yeah, nobody seemed to notice the mysterious, like, you know, six foot four uh, guys named Baz Gaz walking around with, like, anti-tank weapons. Yeah, 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 with, with anti-tank weapons and, like, new necklaces of ears from, like, a different culture. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, much of this UN resolution is is driven by, by the French, because they really, like, the UK and David Cameron, like, they want their big foreign adventure. They want to, also for domestic reasons, but the French, like, really want it. Uh, and why charge? they want why um, why would the french want to do things in africa really? That's never happened yeah sarkozy looking at a map and you know sort of like it dawns on him that libya is in africa you know yeah. <laughs> um so the, the the motives of the stated motives are of course you know liberal interventionism uh deaths of civilians and so on and so forth the real motives are laid bare in a uh, <laughs> Not like whether or not they were going to cause or stop them uh, leaves up interpretation. Yeah, the is uh, in, in in a diplomatic cable uh, from uh, then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's advisor Sidney Blumenthal, who's like an overall like massive all time goal, all time yeah. goal. Yeah, just deeply, deeply scary individual. Um, and Sid Blumenthal explains Sarkozy's uh, motives as they get it from like French intelligence officers who paid them a visit. The first thing is that the, f- and, and this is like a list of bullet points. The first thing the French want is a greater share of Libya's oil wealth, because of, you know, yep. of course. No. Um, they, they want to increase France's influence in North Africa, which unheard of. Why, why would the French mm-hmm, want such yeah. a thing? 
And of course, because this is the French, and it's about, much as you, you were saying about Gaz and Baz, um, Sarkozy just wanted an, an, an opportunity to show off like the French special forces and French military. Yeah, I'm not sure what the French equivalent of Gaz Baz is, but it's it's an it's a great. I know Fly Zone specifically is a great seller for for Dassault, uh, the uh, the fighter jet yeah. manufacturer. Um, plus, you know, Airbus for some other stuff. Um, so yeah, you can you can sell fighter jets doing that. Yeah, and and you can like send the foreign legion out. Like you can get like you can get your war hard Airbus, but it's the bus from the end of the dawn of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they make the like um, you know uh, AWACS and stuff. They do all of the like early warning stuff as well, and the surveillance aircraft. Um, yeah. It, so yeah. Um, and, and specifically, actually, I know we were just making fun of it, but like apparently the French really were worried about uh, Gaddafi's plan for a stronger African Union because they were really worried that that <laughs> They bought the PR! They bought into it, for fuck's sake. <laughs> They're just like, holy shit, this guy's going to create a United States of Africa. Yeah, I mean, what about Franck Afrique is, of course, the underlying uh, you know, question there. Not that it seems to have worked. It's also the well country that's years. currently being conned into like, in, like, putting Bitcoin into all manner of fucking social welfare oh, yeah. programs just now. Yeah. So, like, nation Startup nation. Forever and Startup always. nation. Oh, <laughs> Somebody should do a podcast about that. Um, hmm. mm. <laughs> uh, Franceology. Yeah, <laughs> it should of course be noted that none of these calls and you know nowhere in these diplomatic cables is it written that um you know they give a shit about protecting civilians and protesters in the eastern part of the country or you know democracy rule of law or that jazz it's just no it's just naked power grabs and like just like it's it, yeah. in in some ways it feels like a weird revanchism for like the Suez crisis to like show off that mm. Britain and France can still you know get their war on it, it it has weird Suez vibes as well yeah just like the the Arab Spring kind of breaking on the rocks of geopolitics and specifically what the West wanted to do about it is maybe one of the grimmest things I've seen in my life and that's an ever growing list um, yeah. and the sort of the sort of uh, difference between the way it played out in Syria, Egypt, Tunisia, and uh, and Libya is is like a really stark one because it's like occasionally you can accidentally do something that is in service of like greater democracy and prevention of massacres or whatever, and then you look at why and it's like oh because we actually believed him when he said he was going to create the United States of Africa. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. It's it's really it's really mad and like y y you certainly get a sense again from from everything I've read that like they just they just wanted a foreign adventure like one of the stated goals that the French come out and say one of the reasons we want like a nice you know quote unquote clean war is to is to because there's an election coming up and you know mm. if if we could just show up uh, show up and show off and do some bombing and then you know the the people will vote us back in it. it it's wild when they just say that shit out loud. Like, you know. Hmm. Why can't they also, just be normal about it and, like, anthropomorphize the plane so everyone can just wank to that? Like, then, job done. <laughs> everyone yeah. enjoys the planes. They've served their, ser their, served their purpose. Also, sh shades of Syria here, where there was an absolute campaign to deny any possible Islamist influence in opposition to Gaddafi. Yeah. Um, something which would later come back to, to, to blow back on Britain in the form of the Manchester Arena bombing. Uh, mm. Which is maybe one of our greatest intelligence fuckups in a, in a long time, uh, where we went, yeah, this guy who was fighting Gaddafi in in the Libyan Islamic fighting group, uh, he he's, he's yeah he's he's fine, you know, it's he's fine. He's gonna come cool back dude. in the country. Yeah, 
Yeah, the scary, exactly. The scariest outcome of all of that, though, Alice, was the fact that uh, Jeremy Corbyn managed to say something, saying to the lines of, "Hey, we're kind of responsible for this in a way," and mm. people in the public going, "Yeah, he's probably right." Given given the depths of uh, British involvement in the Libyan first Libyan civil war, I, I think probably much more involved than uh, you know is is, is ever going to become public. But you know, that's my little conspiracy theory. I mean, you also get, like, not just the British and the French, but also specifically, like, other Middle Eastern nations start, like, Qatar, the UAE, Turkey. Oh, this bit was fucking weird. Yeah, like, giant crates of the most expensive submachine guns in the world would show up marked, like, you know, cheers, love Kuwait. And it was like, what the the fuck is a guy in a country that's already, like, swimming in AKs gonna do with, like, an F-2000? It's like, great, thank you. This is worth (laughs) $100,000. He will never sell this to anyone else. And you will not see it appear on co- in like combat footage anywhere else in the world immediately. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, fucking they, ISIS if, had some of that shit, and it's yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. surprising, you know? How did these Islamists get guns from these other Islamists? I, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's also an it's sort of an interesting internecine fight because, like, um, some countries—I don't remember the full list because it's also—it's a shifting sands. But when the civil war properly kicks off, like Turkey and the UAE, and I want to say Syria, like back the, the 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 Western government, and then others back the Eastern government, and it's like it's this internecine fight within like the Middle Eastern region uh, I- itself mm. as well. It's this—I I haven't been able to fully work it out because it gets really complicated, and you know I'm trying not to do like a, <laughs> a five-hour podcast basically. <laughs> Um, Sorry, you shouldn't have invited me on. Um, no, no, I'm happy to happy to happy to run. Yes, yeah, stick some slides in. We can go for another hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, of course uh, it, it has to be because all these things now have to be, you know, in in back in the good old days, like uh, military missions, NATO missions would just like be given like a random name, like drawn from like a, a computer system. But now, of course, there has to be something cooler. So the um, um, the no-fly zone and everything else falls under the NATO mission Unified Protector, which is... Uh, hmm. You know, weirdly, That's some so of lame. the random... Some of the randomly generated ones were cooler. They had Acid Gambit in the 80s. Yeah, and, that, you was, know. that was great. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not as good as just, like, randomly pulling, like, Bakewell Tart out of the hat or something. Which would be <laughs> yeah. much, much yeah, more so, fun. Even so fucking we, we, we have, like, gardens better than that. Yeah, we have mulched the, um... like 30,000 civilians in defense of Operation Bakewell Tart. <laughs> Was it the Americans who started that with Enduring Freedom? Yes, yeah. Yes, um... yeah. Uh, the, the, the other things that they do, again, the shades of Syria and shades of Iraq, is um, that the NATO nations and many others unfreeze like Libyan money in all the international banks and just dump it in the hands of, of like the Transition Council. So they end up with more than 30 billion US dollars to support the war effort. Of course, most of it immediately going out the door to buy Western arms, but you know. Yeah, no no oversight on that whatsoever. Not, and again, the, no, no, we no, will learn no nothing downsides. from this. <laughs> memory. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just fucking dive in here. Memory unlock. Um I've just remembered something that happened in Cadets. Uh when <laughs> Okay, w- therapy session. Go on, David. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Not quite that bad. Um. No. I remember being taught the orders process, mm. and part of this was to be given the scenario and then to to break that down into the the, the set of orders to be delivered to a section. But yeah, part yeah. of the scenario was outright a, a, a Scottish resistance army that had to be <laughs> crushed. 
in the, in the area of Gearlockhead, and I've only just remembered that now. This is this is a bit like the um uh, the entrance essay to Eton. Exa- that's yes. like um you you are prime minister. You have just had to like order the troops to fire on the demonstrators. What do you say? Um, which <laughs> what do you say to to justify it? Yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. which is somehow worse. <laughs> Uh, at, at the same meeting where, like, this decision to, like, release funds to, to the, what is, are then the rebel uh, forces um, to give them a lot of money, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, then Secretary of State under Obama, uh, boldly claims that, this is a quote, increasingly the people of Libya are looking past Gaddafi. They know, as we all know, that it is no longer a question of whether Gaddafi will leave power, but when. Because, you know, of course, at this point, we are just nakedly stating our desire to murder, basically. Yeah, so it's a it's a war aim, and we set their war aim for them, uh, which, you know, yeah. it, it, it fucking everything that has is like has happened since you can trace back to like Hillary's time as Secretary of State. It's it's it wild. It's remarkable the amount of like weird shit. And you know, and speaking of you know where we started the episode, another great friend of fucking Henry Kissinger. You know who? Yeah. Who, it, it, it just never fucking changes it i mean all countries are the same but the, the like the, the the limits of like american democratic input specifically on foreign policy are always fucking wild like the, it, it truly in terms of foreign policy it really is an imperial presidency and not even a presidency never like a never underestimate the reach on. of never underestimate the reach of hillary clinton not only did she make such drastic changes to Libya, but look what she did to the something awful forums. <laughs> Listen, the, 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 goons, the, goons, the, the goons are looking past low tax. They know, as we all know. It is no longer a question of whether well, low tax sadness. will leave power, but when <laughs> <laughs> they know, as we know, that Lotax's spine will no longer sustain itself. <laughs> uh, there was another Just Obama into Gaddafi's palace and finding a bunch of like two hundred dollar packs of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gaddafi had a lot of child support to pay. He was really depressed. Uh... Where warehouses full of mangosteen, them... like you've never seen before. <laughs> no, I, I'm picturing them. I'm picturing them napalming the mangosteen groves uh, in order to deny income, sort of thing. <laughs> Um, another Obama ghoul, uh, Susan Rice, by the way, who wrote a book on human rights. I can't remember what it's called, but she's also a fucking Weird, monster. Weirdly, for being a monster, uh, it's like the Palest- Palestinian diplomat's best friend in the US government. Not because she does anything nice, just because she's like interpersonally gets them, apparently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and and sort of shades of of the the, the current genocide in in Gaza. She uh, was mm. claiming that Gaddafi's soldiers all carried Viagra with them, so they could mass rape civilians in Benghazi if they ever got to yeah, Benghazi. I, again, like a lot of this stuff is is like you know, and and obviously parallels there, as you say, where it's like. The truth is horrifying, but it's it's horrifying in a boring way, and a lot of the like baroque stuff tends to be you know exaggerated in order to get you yeah, emotionally I mean, yeah. invested. I mean, like, I'm not saying that like war crimes and crimes against humanity wouldn't have occurred, but you know these of sort of the horror stories are fanciful as always, and and designed to make you feel a certain way, and not necessarily true. Hmm. Um, Damn, Su- Susan Rice got me feeling a certain kind of way. <laughs> they are one of the few times, though, that your dad will believe the government when he's like posting on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, of course, because um, this—I remember that 
fake brief little side note because it wasn't just like the 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 uk and france and the us although they played their part there was like you know a sort of coalition of the willing and like the dutch also got their war hard on on and like what we did was like we sent one mine destroyer but then parliament said yeah but it's not allowed to be in libyan territorial waters so we just like had it like bop up and down the coast for a bit and said doing donuts off the libyan (laughs) coasts to respect the troops yeah Uh, of course, it ends with the with the overthrow of Gaddafi, and quite famously, if, if it's a quote that some people still remember, um, that Hillary Clinton, when interviewed about the death of, of Gaddafi in October 2011, uh, literally said during an interview, "We came, we saw, he died." Which yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I'm I'm not going to say it's always wrong to laugh at the death of Muammar Gaddafi because I was just doing it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he. he, he <laughs> Yeah, there there is a particular kind of bloodlust to do it when you are Secretary of State of the the US. Um, And Gaddafi died horribly. And again, I I, do I personally feel bad for the guy? No, but it blew back pretty horribly because one guy who was watching that was Putin. And Putin went, and this is like on the record, he's he's, he's briefed this, is like, no, after that, Putin's whole demeanor changed because he was like, oh, this is what regime change look like. looks like. If regime change ever happens to Russia, I am getting like a bayonet up the urethra. Therefore, yeah. I can never, ever lose the Game of Thrones. Uh, and yeah. I, you yeah. know, have to, you know, do even more of the stuff I've already been doing and demonstrate like maximum strength and maximum aggression. Uh, otherwise, Hillary Clinton is going to have me killed, which I'm sure she would love to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, among, it just, like, it just, it's a great demonstration to the world, as ever, by the US of like this is this is what we like. Like, and, yeah. And then just being completely oblivious that other people, other nations, are watching them do this stuff. Much, yeah, exactly. Much again, parallels with uh, yeah. with Gaza. And I mean, it's it's, it's, it's kind of this, this thing of like Gaddafi had a lot of people killed in his time. He had a lot of people tortured in his time. Uh, but there's this kind of distinction of people who matter, right? That that gets made whether you like it or not. And if you consider that what he did to his predecessor was wait until he left for the office and then you know go yeah, just stay there, uh, yeah. and compare that to being sort of like lynched on video. Um, leaders yeah. across the world take a lesson from that, which is, oh, the US is just out for blood of, you know, me personally, someone who is not supposed to be allowed to die like that. I mean, our, our, this was also at the same time, like, right after the, the, the death of Gaddafi, you also get the, um, the I can't remember which one it is at the moment, at that time anymore, but one of the, the Kim dynasty in uh, North Korea also vastly accelerating, like, their nuclear testing, because they were yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, so this is what happens if we give that shit up. I mean, yeah, that reminds me of um, when Matt Chrisman and I think it was, oh, uh, he he can't be named. When Matt um, Chrisman <laughs> vastly accelerated his nuclear program, <laughs> went, on, um, went on some podcast with like oh, Pod Save America. It was the Pod Save America. Was it, it Pod Save? Yeah, and uh, it was... basically, the, them saying to him, "Oh, should North Korea have the bomb?" And him saying, "Well, yeah. I mean, like from their own point of view, of course they want to have the nuclear. Like the only thing." The only thing that might deter the US from invading and doing a regime change to you is the threat of nuclear annihilation, maybe. And, like, it's... Yeah, like, you have to think, like, what are... What is America going to do when they actually have to face someone who's nuclear... Well, they don't go in. Look at North Korea. Yeah. Nuclear. 
Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Among the other things that would come to bite everybody back in the ass is um, two things. It's they overhype the threat posed by Gaddafi itself, but also that the NTC was incredibly unstable and contained significant factions of various stripes of Islamic extremists. Um, mm. This is from uh, a good House of Commons Foreign Affairs Committee report that I read for this. Uh, this is evidence given by the former chief of the defense staff. Uh, this is a quote. He added that a quorum of respectable Libyans were assuring the Foreign Office that militant Islamist militias would not benefit from the rebellion. He acknowledged that with the benefit of hindsight, that was wishful thinking at best. And I would say... <laughs> you don't say you don't yeah it, well it, well if they were assuring you i mean the, the thing is again i i sympathize a bit there is no opposition to uh like a north african dictator of the period that does not contain islamists yeah. right they're the largest oppositional force but if you don't acknowledge that if then you have like no way of controlling it and you have no way of having any kind of like reasonable expectation or debate of like is this a like proportionate thing to do at all, um, mm. yeah. Again, just just makes me very sad. Same with same with Egypt, where it's like, oh, it's gotten too Islamist, and then we got scared, and then uh, just like installed the same guy with a slightly different haircut. Have you got anything Islamist? No, that's too Islamist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, this, this could just all like have a, been avoided. Like... This could all have been avoided if he wasn't the boy who cried pan-African government. <laughs> yeah, if he hadn't tried to create the United States of Africa. I don't know, there was this, like, very brief glimpse for, like, I don't know, maybe six months at the outside, where it seemed like the people who actually lived in these countries and did not have golden AKs and bulletproof tents might have some kind of a, like, vote in this whole process. And then, mm. you know, the, the doors just, like, slammed straight back shots on that because of our beloved material conditions, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm. it's also, like, it wasn't, like, the, the sort of during the fight against... Gaddafi and his forces that like these tensions with like the, the the sort of more extremist fringes militias was like sort of subsumed it was incredibly obvious because like even yeah. during the fight against Gaddafi's the Islam one of the Islamist militias assassinates the leading war general of the NTC a guy called Abdel Fattah Yunus so like it's not like we couldn't have seen it coming they did it during the conflict itself you know whilst yeah. Gaz and Baz were there taking ears it, it, it's really <laughs> remarkable um, again, like I want to stop talking about like the actual like conflict itself. Basically, this is by reading a little bit. This is, again from the House of Commons Foreign Affairs Committee report. Um, the result was a political and economic collapse, inter militia and inter tribal warfare, humanitarian and humanitarian and migrant crises, widespread human rights violations, the spread of Gaddafi-era um, weapons across the regions, and the gross growth of ISIS in or ISIL in uh, North Africa. And this is the thing, right? Diminishing returns, where you can do this shit in, in Bosnia, for instance, right? And then decide, okay, well, we're going to do some state building, and the state the result is, like, as we're seeing now, extremely precarious, and you have, like, an EU bureaucrat that makes all the decisions, uh, and kind of nobody's happy with it, but there is at least, like, some yeah. function administratively there. Whereas here, the, the, the same people, literally, the same people in the same offices just got bored and thought, right, you know, she'll be right, I don't Shops need up. to do anything. Yeah. yeah. 
Let me read you one last bit from, this is from the same quote. Through his decision-making in the National Security Council, former Prime Minister David Cameron is ultimately responsible for the failure to develop a coherent Libya strategy. I should also note on the side that, by the way, um, that when the House of Commons committee was doing this report and, and interviewing everybody, everybody showed up except David Cameron because he said, I'm too busy, my agenda is too full. Well, if <laughs> yeah, Tony Blair is... didn't need to face consequences, why should he? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if anything, he should be rewarded and made Secretary General Secretary of uh, the UN, as as he's been like making motions towards NATO, mm. wasn't it? Is it? I thought because that, oh, was it that's NATO? Oh, the, yeah, no, yeah, you're right, NATO. you're right. It was NATO. Which you know, given what we're now discussing, you know, a, a good portent for the future if that fucking prick gets in. Um, oh, sure. So, sort of turning to to the last bit of the Libya, what I want to talk about, like what happened after and specifically what did we not do after and you know basically what we didn't do after is everything we just like dusted our hands comically um and then said you know uh well we're not in charge of rebuilding or like state building or you know putting something coherent together that's yeah, now we, we tried that in afghanistan and iraq and it was too hard so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you, the UN well, now I'm it. not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we maxed out our capability to like create a state, and as we have seen in Iraq and Afghanistan, oh. those were not like hugely sustainable either. Um, Uwu, like, small bean Britain spent all of its spoons invading two states prior. Literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we ran out of spoons, and uh, again, if if at any point during the sort of like talk about this, there had been the consideration that this would be a like multi-generational project of totally rebuilding like a Libyan state in any kind of accountable way. But you know, no one had any interest in doing that. They wanted Gaddafi out, uh, you know, some some share of oil, some, you know, uh, arms sales. And then so long as the result was kind of like acceptably chaotic, then fine, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, the attitude of the Foreign Office specifically to like where people said, well, now we have to do reconstruction and state building. And, you know, we have to, as you say, be there for a while to make sure that we clean up our mess. Versus, no, we don't. <laughs> Versus, no, yeah, national yeah, obligations, yeah. if you're quick. No, but that was, but that was the <laughs> answer. The answer from the Foreign Office was, no, the, the, the rebuilding must be Libyan-owned, who then, of course, and supported by the UN, which they, of course, vast, vastly underfunded and left undefended in what was swiftly becoming like a, a massive war zone. And if you want to like uh, this again, this is from the House of Commons report. It's fascinating stuff. Um, unpublished House of Commons library research found that the UK spent some £320 million on bombing Libya and approximately £25 million on a reconstruction programme. So just so we have our, you know, priorities. Swords to plowshares is just something that happens to other people. Mm. 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 Uh, you know, in in to, so there are some efforts are made. There is a uh, the 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 NTC, the National Transitional Council, sort of establish a sort of relative transitional government, um, which does do what appear to be like reasonably free elections. Like there's not a lot of, you know, ballot stuffing and all that. Um, I should say though, however, that like this was this, this free and fair election was done in a country that of course had no experience of, of, of functional democracy, political parties, campaigning after 40 years of a Gaddafi dictatorships. Um, and the parties were given quite literally 18 days to get their shit together, which, you know, Jesus Christ, we just got bored we just got bored just got bored we had our fun we blew some shit up you know gaz and baz have some more ears to take home to the family and we just like 
You know, you know how in like YouTube videos or, or TikToks, I guess, where it's like they just make a huge mess by like throwing a, fuck, a fucking like saw blade at a bunch of jars filled with gunk or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. And then like they don't show the five hours of clearing up afterwards. And that's just not the fun part. Yeah. What you're it's... saying is that we would have successfully rebuilt Libya had we only affixed Family Guy funniest moments in the top right corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> rebuilding the Libyan state while playing fucking Temple Run. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Gaddafi for a number of years underfunded uh, the Libyan state's provision of Family Guy funny moments, and so when he was out, uh, the the you know the administrative capacity to deal with that was not there. You know, yeah. a, a Mr. Beast. What did they, they translate Family yeah. Guy into Arabic? I'm certain they did. Must have done. Sure. But I should say also at this point, even though there are these relatively free elections, quote unquote, um, the National Transition Council and the national government is already falling apart. Um, the different groups within it are no longer contained by their war aims. So they start killing each other. And significantly, the, both the defense ministry and the armed forces, so like the nominal national organs, say, actually, we don't want like to create a national, you know, civilian-led army. Uh actually what we want to do is give all the guns and bombs to uh, the militias we control yeah, you know but again, i don't want to cure cancer i want to turn people into dinosaurs yeah of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so of course that happens because again we didn't learn anything from iraq and afghanistan because you know maybe not the exact same thing but it certainly rhymes very well um mm. Well, I suppose then, it's not entirely true that we didn't learn anything. What we did learn is that we could essentially invade places more or less with impunity and then uh, just kind of, you know, kick kick a couple of bits of uh, rubble over and say that we built a state and then fuck off after 5, 10, yeah. 20 years. Or just pick a number. Mm-hmm. I mean, it learned, is interesting. Boys, like, Land Rovers I'll... aren't very good, so we need <laughs> some sort of viable replacement for the Land Rover. Enter the Ajax. <laughs> and like, you know, 50 other like bodged together things that we named after dogs. I love to, I love yeah. to ride around in my Mastiff um, yeah. and then, you know, get get like TBI when it rolls over. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's the wonder of the Ajax. You don't even have to flip that bitch over. <laughs> yeah, you can, already, you can get a TBI just sitting in it. You don't even have to be in it. <laughs> you don't have to be near it. <laughs> Having heard of it, you know? Yeah, uh, so, the first so, yeah. cognito hazard IFE, yeah. But then, but then of course, the, 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 the first inkling that we get, or, you know, that certain, certainly some parts of the world get that, you know, not everything might be well is, of course, the 2012 um, attack on the Benghazi consulate by, you know... Benghazi ain't going by, away. By, by Barack Obama himself. Uh, and, and, his, yeah, uh, he, his... and he killed a something awful member. Yeah, <laughs> R.I.P. file rat. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just one of the about 90% of going to work for the federal government in one capacity or another <laughs> <laughs> it also of course spawned an aftermath of wildly shit movies we should do that Benga soldiers of Benghazi movie at some point maybe as a no no we, we did fucking Kandahar we know that was a mistake we do not do films <laughs> named after places anymore Kandahar was bad Greenland was bad no more yeah. <laughs> Welcome to uh, our new pod project, uh, Kill Gerard Butler. It's it's an original idea. Just... 
uh, so then, of course, there's, they pretend again that to, to become a real uh, democracy. Um, the, another transitional government uh, is is supposed to give way to a House of Representatives. That I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just thought to me that the acronym for that is KGB. <laughs> 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 Alright, it's back on the menu. Of the yeah. <laughs> it's good again. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the next elections again, uh, they're supposed to establish the, the the transitional government is supposed to give way to a house of representatives uh, at a massive turnout of eighteen percent, which is which is great. Um, and there's a little problem again, like the house of representatives is established in the western half of the country uh, around Tripoli, so the old capital, but. Um, large parts of the eastern country don't recognize that and they still see the uh, transitional government as legitimate and it is at this point basically uh, that the country splits not not neatly but like in half between the east and the west between the old provinces roughly of Cyrenaica and uh, Tripolitana that the, the, there is a real split well, line it's good enough the for the cold war it's good enough for yeah. a small north african well quite a big <sighs> north african country it's right civil war too yeah, yeah mm. exactly. It's a second civil war breaks out with uh, two dueling governments controlling or being controlled by various stripes of army, militia, and factions reorienting themselves around. Yeah, this is the... kind of like the B team civil war in Libya intervention yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. where a, a, a lot of countries who uh, you know do not have as much weight to throw around then throw some weight around. Like Turkey gets in on this. Um, yeah, you know. So the the House of Representatives, which I think is the one in the west. Uh, is backed by Egypt and the UAE, and then like the more uh, Islamist um, continuity government of the um, National Congress is backed by Qatar, Sudan, and Turkey. So you have this sort of internecine warfare, like be- through the back door between all these various countries in 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 the Middle East, which is always like it's good to remember that like those countries hate each other as well, like to to mm-hmm. truly interesting degree. We always think that they're just like kind of an amorphous blob of you know angry Arabic people, but it, they're really weird not. that that uh weird weird that United States of uh, Africa didn't pan out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is, of course, at this point also that the number of like militia fighters, because this is also like at this point one of the few like jobs that will pay you money uh, in in the new Libya. Again, much like Afghanistan and and Iraq, where you know a lot of insurgency fighters were just young men who needed to make money, and you know the the, the militias pay, and then the government doesn't. Mm. So you know that's that's what you do. So the number of fighters goes from roughly 25,000 at the end of the war against Gaddafi to about 140, 150,000 uh, by, I think, about 2020. So, you know, mm. um, they're also, not, we've, we've alluded to it already, but like they are all notably incredibly well armed, uh, not just because of, you know, the, the, the fancy crates that the Kuwaiti sent them, but mainly because like under Gaddafi, they, the, Libya spent about 30 billion uh, pounds on weaponry mainly light weaponry and that was just like not used but like store i mean they sent some to they ran out of cool terrorists to give it to like after the 70s there weren't guys with leather jackets who were gonna like hose down prime ministers with submachine guns anymore there's no one left to give it to so just sits in a in a warehouse and you know all of a sudden 30 years later people playing tarkov with it you know yeah this collapse in the supply chain is why that guy in japan had to build his own contraption (laughs) yeah i mean the, the sort of like the ak's are very unevenly distributed globally 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad that like the 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 last donor was like Bruce Willis, who mounted like a a, a, a minigun in the back of a suburban uh, soccer mom <laughs> car. Um, <laughs> So, but remarkably, because we knew that like the, the, these guns were all like stored in like a bunch of these huge warehouses, and everybody knew knew what they were. But of course, we didn't. The one thing we didn't do was uh, send uh, Gaz and Baz and Louis uh, to secure those warehouses. So they just no, got broken not. open, and then the guns ended up like all over Africa and the Middle East. And we we kind of internationally, the the like briefcase guys like to talk about arms proliferation as like a something that happens, like a phenomenon, a sort of generalized thing, like weather. And that's true to an extent, but it's surprisingly often traceable to these like singular events of like oh, all of these warehouses full of like Ukrainian AKs or like you know Libyan RPGs have to go somewhere and they do because people stop watching them. Yeah. It's it's I mean and it's remarkable because like we it, like I said we knew where these warehouses were. It really wouldn't have taken yeah. like you could have literally if you want to send like like the useless like gases from from uh, you know the SAS in it's literally just parachute them on top of these warehouses until you can send like you know a couple cargo planes in to take that shit away and then dump it in the oceans. As far as I'm concerned, like it it really mm. but we just don't do that. We don't care. Um, it's where the inspiration for Fortnite came from. <laughs> yeah, but, but we could we could have done that. We could have melted them all down, turned them into fidget spinners or whatever. But no. <laughs> it's a really weird. V bucks are now the official currency. In, we uh, in we Libya. could have we could have brought all the AKs back, <laughs> melted them down, and turned them into new AKs to give to someone else. <laughs> yeah. That's that's you know that's real like skilled worker shit. I, uh, I I'm just thinking now how badly I want a fidget spinner made out of a melted down AK. <laughs> <laughs> Surely someone in Ukraine can make this for me on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a Ukrainian artisan, uh, DM Alice at, at Alice at yeah, on that's Twitter right. and <laughs> get in touch. <laughs> um, and of course, then, you know, th because this is the next time that anybody in the West sort of gives a shit or um, hears about Libya after we, we, we pull out and just leave that country to its fate um is when uh isis in the levant emerges or isil if, if you will um mm -hmm. which really we should have seen coming because like even back in the the like the anti-gaddafi war in 2011 a lot of the more islamist fighters uh were actually coming back from fighting in the iraqi insurgency and in afghanistan so like it's it's it it's remarkable again like it, discrete events it's the same with the guns all being like you know discrete and trackable things the the number of islamist fighters who are ready and willing to like do this shit is like a fixed number and it's much lower than everyone thinks and they always bounce around between like guys went from chechnya to afghanistan to yeah. you know back to dagestan to to libya to syria uh yeah no it's it's remarkable it's 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 truly wild and it's also like again because it's such a small pool it's also not like we don't know who these people are you know even yeah. in the desert in in libya you can figure out because they're you know they also announce their presence in in all sorts of interesting ways um mm. and of course then what what then further fuels the conflict is like some of the local militias specifically in the south but also in the in the east you know immediately pipe up and say to the western governments and you know us uk and france in particular hey if you give us a whole bunch of guns and, and weapons we'll just go take care of, of isil 
because it's just it's a money spending opportunity for them that you know mm. they also want to get rid of them but it's also like you know they will also use those guns and bombs to continue the second civil war that's that's raging at this point um and of course you know neither france nor the uk have stopped um sending down gaz and baz and, and louis to support different militias but we only do that for two reasons a to if the militias pretend that they're about fighting isil or if they are the ones in control of the oil pipeline because that's the only bit that we really give a shit about mm-hmm. you know that's the that's the only thing like every everything you read it's fascinating when you go through like the archives of i read i skimmed through the guardian and the financial times it's like 50 percent of the stories are like migrants on the coast and the other 50 percent is like uh you know um militias in control of oil refinery it's just like okay all right that's 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 what we care about all right cool mm. um of course none of this none of this is any good for like the people who actually live there uh by 2016 no, incomes have fallen by 30 percent oil revenue down uh, and productions of course not massively down because it's a civil war and like the price of flour a staple of course is up by a factor of of five it's it's an incredible like if you like i said right before the the civil war breaks out or at least in 2003 like libya was on its way to like being you know maybe the most developed country in in africa i mean you know resource dependent and 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 trapped in 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 those sort of economic circumstances but it was on its way to maybe becoming a real state and now it's just it it, it's fallen thank god we intervened yeah fantastically speaking of intervention though uh it is also in 2016 that um i can't remember this i think this oh no this is sorry this is from the house of commons uh, uh report on libya that the uk uh turns out to be f- informally discussing uh the return of the monarchy with varian libya's libyan f- factions yeah, which gonna find another idris <laughs> which could quote receives far from universal support in libya itself <laughs> <laughs> the sun having no alternative shone on the nothing new you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, without basically getting lost in some extremely deep, deep weeds, the, the ongoing civil war is fueled by oil money, mainly being fought between these two eastern and western halves of the country with various militias, uh, power brokers emerging, switching sides, and so on and so forth. And one of the things I know, uh, I think, Alice, you mentioned on a recent episode of, well, there's a problem that you might want to do mm. an episode about it, but one of the, the results that, that sort of I want to leave it on um except for one last bit is uh in september 2023 so a couple months ago uh two yeah. local dams uh, above the city of derna failed because of uh catastrophic rainfall from St- storm daniel but also thanks to more than than a decade of either negligent or no maintenance and it kills um 5000 people and displaces 30000 more um yeah functionally destroys the city which yeah. uh you know, uh, is sort of one of the one of the consequences, and you know, we have not seen you know even close to all of them yet. So, yeah, it's it's you know, and of course, um, as it turns out, that apparently uh, Gaddafi had contracted like a big Turkish engineering group to fix the two dams. Yeah, to build the United States of Africa. <laughs> uh, but but the contract. <laughs> yeah, to it was fix located two... in the dam. So thank God that rain turned up. <laughs> <laughs> um those two de- that, that contract was signed in early 2011 so you know never no. ne- never got around to, to doing it um the and main the mysterious contender... scottish man turned up 
<laughs> Twelve years later, what happens? Yeah, no. And 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 mm. and again, you know, much like we did in Iraq and, and Afghanistan and everywhere else, where we we turn up and kill and mutilate and bomb people back to you know to a hole in the ground. Um, the most sort of strongest contender for being in charge of Libya is a guy called General Khalifa Haftar, and he is of course a uh, former CIA asset with the support of France, according to mm-hmm. the Financial Times, uh, who has reappointed some of the security people surrounding Gaddafi. So everything that is old is new again, and the sun shines yeah, and on if, you know brand new things. If 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 we need somewhere to to have people tortured again, you know, is is on the yeah, list. I mean, no and uh, then, according- you know, whenever he alienates people uh, again to the extent that maybe something happens, then it just repeats, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but, but by all accounts, the, you know, the, I mean, the, from the interviews that I've read and the statements that I've seen, like the people who live in, in the area that is under his control are like basically grateful that, you know, people aren't shooting each other in the street anymore. But it is mm. a violent, repressive dictatorship, and people get disappeared on the regular. And you know, it's just yeah, of course. We made a decade's worth of mess and changed nothing. Apart that half the country, you know, it's, this is not the whole country under his control. It's half, and who knows if he will quote unquote win. Um, so before I turn over um, and then stop talking about this, I do uh, because of course you know this being nominally a podcast about British politics, we need to talk for a moment about you know. Migration and small boats and being tough on mm. criminal gangs and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, w- w- the thing strategically that we need from Libya to stop the boats. Um... Yeah, the, we, we, it, we, to be fair, this is mainly, as far as I understand, a deal between the Libyan Coast Guard, for which read militia, um, and EU Frontex, which is a just a horrifying organization. Oh, yeah. Uh, really in, sick motherfuckers just over there. Really incredibly fucking sick. Um, at first, like in the first few years after the war, it's the Italians controlling the flow of migration. Uh, but when it's turned over to Frontex, the number of deaths in the Mediterranean countries by uh, increases by a factor of 30. This is again from the same House of Commons report. Um, and deliberately, uh, Frontex changes its its uh, marine tactics to specifically not do any search and rescue uh, of migrant boats because they say this would create mm-hmm. a a pull factor if you know you're going to be rescued out of the water you can just go whereas if you might drown then you might not come so you know that's yeah. i mean because every a, safe crossing is is one where there's a chance you'll drown that's safe it's mm. um yeah, this is um, from from Amnesty International, from their regional director for Libya, uh, Diana Altawi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, even in 2020, the EU and its member states continued to implement policies trapping tens of thousands of men, women and children in vicious cycles of abuse and showing callous disregard for people's lives and uh, their dignity. Because basically what happens, again, mainly through Frontex, but this is the stuff where like the UK and the EU are absolutely in, in lockstep is um yeah they bribe Europe. they 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 bribe militias um and then move tens of thousands of reg of, of refugees and small boats and from other routes uh back back across the water into detention centers in mainly in western libya um which are run by various militias where um i i, I read a number of like horrifying personal accounts of people who 
underwent torture, forced labor, rape, um, especially young women and girls. I I, I won't repeat mm. it because it's t- too horrible. Um, I'll, I'll merely say to that, according to one of the reports I read, the um, average price for a human slave in Tripoli or Tobruk is about two to three hundred dollars. Uh, they are literally worked t- to death or sold on to the and next factory or it, it mm. yeah. uh, like when like you know when you think that this is this is funded directly pretty much by it, 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 the, the fucking directly. eu yeah. like by yeah. the eu and you know like it just I know, I know it's like basically beside the point but just thinking about how deranged we went over being in or out of Europe for so many years. And it's like, it, it, leave it being in or, well, being in ostensibly, we maybe could have tried to do something about all this shit, but like this yeah, was happening. Yeah, and I, yeah, I appreciate that. But yeah, you it, tell it, him he can't go enslaving anymore. <laughs> and, and of course, like, like those, yeah, those guys are partners in peace now, you know? Yeah. Those those responsible, like the people leading these horrendous organizations, uh, including people with like warrants out for for their arrest by what passes for a Libyan government, uh, and people who are uh, you know whose names are on UN sanctions lists, are known to be commanders and high ranking militia officers, uh, including those in charge mm. of the refineries, and you know the detention centers. So that's that's, that's you, why you can we don't still do them. all of the all of the ISIS shit so long as you don't put an ISIS gloss on it. So long as you're not like you know doing any of the kind of like slaving for ostensibly Islamist reasons, then fine, you know. Yeah, don't yeah. put Arabic writing on a flag. You're probably <laughs> safe. Yeah, and 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 you know when when like the Tories and the Labour Party brave fucks, of course, that they all are, talk about you know stopping the boats and sending them back and ending the criminal gangs. What they mean is the people who are arriving, the destitute people who are arriving desperately on 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 our, on our shorelines and those in Europe. Um, when they say send them back, this is where they what they mean this they mean slave labor militia run detention camps rape torture forced labor sexual violence i mean again i i i had some hard times reading for this i won't repeat the stories if if you listening wish to read them there's plenty of material available um yeah it's mm. and all of this again uh, just to wrap it up all of this happened under david cameron you know, we hmm. broke and he's board, back, and he's fucking back. Three. No consequences, not for, not for this, not for the green seal shit, not for all the for the austerity, not for austerity. Yeah, you know, n- nothing sticks. This fucking guy is just back. You know, he he, he broke this country, him and Sarkozy. They, they, and in Nick any Clegg. reasonable we've world, we got we got to ascribe the appropriate amount of blame <laughs> to Nick fucking Clegg as well. Uh, also, of course, but like, you know, specifically those two, because from everything I've read, they were really the ones pushing this thing th- through the door, you know, and, and I'm sure little, little little Nick Clegg was there in his child seats with a little flag up, but, you know, like that. Yeah, with the, with the fake steering wheel in front of him, yep. Yeah, just, you know. <laughs> and, and nobody gives a shit. That's what I find so remarkable, specifically about Libya. Nobody's, nobody, people remember, certainly remember Iraq and Afghanistan, I think, and have a sort of vague you know know that syria was unwell for a while but 
this is one of those things that you've got fucking memory hold. And like, when's the last mm. time you heard anything about Libya that didn't involve the word small boats or refugees or, you know, things along those lines? Yeah, it's, it, one, it's mm. one of those things that's been abstracted. Like, the, the word Libyan Coast Guard is like just a spell that you cast to say, that, yeah. you know, to... This is how we're going to deal with this problem. I cast the spell Libyan Coast Guard. Oh, look, we've got rid of all these migrants. And then no further questions. Yeah, I cast a spell over the welfare state. Look, AI, I'm, my work here is done. <laughs> and um, also, I would just like to add, <laughs> Corbyn's 7 out of 10 for the EU. Being fucking generous, let's be real. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Before we do comment or commentary, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to this pod, so I don't know if you know the rules of the game. <laughs> it's no mm. shade if you haven't, because, you know, you're, you're, you're busier than What is it with yeah, you and shade these days, Rob? Have you watched, like, two episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race and now you feel yes. like... <laughs> I'm bringing it back, you know, I'm, just, I'm just retro. change your life. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. Okay, so um, Jamie has went away and found a bunch of things on the internet, and he's going to read them out to you. And mm -hmm. it is our job to decide, are they a comment on a website, or are they directly from the mouth of the commentariat? Fantastic. Let's do it. Right. Sunak launched the most lavish furlough scheme in Europe with the best intentions, thinking he was doing individuals, companies, and the country a service. But it's increasingly clear it undermined our motivation. We urgently need to rediscover our ambition and drive not least to pay back the vast amount spent by this government during the COVID years. Is that comment or commentariat? Uh, commentariat. Yeah, that's commentariat. Yeah, I'm Yeah, Telegraph or Times, I feel Got like. A clear call to action instead of just complaining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was Alice Thompson in the Times. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wait till people find out the internet is recording all keystrokes, not just the final edited version of what you go public with. Is that comment or commentary? Comments. It'd be very funny if you tell me it was in, like, Wired. <laughs> uh, yeah, comment, comment, Daily Mail. Comment Express. It's the always one that sneaks up on us. Express uh, is a good show for that one as well, yeah. Yeah, Comment, Daily Mail. Uh, it was a comment in the Daily Mail. You're right. Oh, really? There you go. It was. It was um, in relation to the the fucking scan your face for porn thing. <laughs> Weirdly, much necessary immigration, students, care workers, doctors, and nurses uh. is necessary only because government interventions and price controls have so distorted the market that it no longer functions. Ooh, that comment or commentary? That's, that's <laughs> diff could be could be plausibly mm. comment or commentary, but if it's, I think commentary and I think telegraph. Mm. I'm going to say commentary at the economist. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good shout. Uh, I'm going to go comment just to be contrary. Let's go with comment. Uh, I'm going to com say comment as well. I'm going to say commentary at that was uh, that was Sam Ashworth Hayes in the Telegraph. Oh, yes, yeah. get in. <laughs> I hate these cunts so much. <laughs> Before allowing access, a porn site should ask a couple of general knowledge questions, which must <laughs> to access your pornography, you must answer me these riddles three. <laughs> 
which must be answered within a couple of seconds to prevent web searches, but young people would rarely, if ever, know the answer to. History would be a good topic, as general ignorance of this is absolutely staggering, especially among the young. A beneficial side effect would be to increase people's knowledge. Is that comment or commentary? <laughs> he remembers the milkman to get access to Pornhub. <laughs> I don't want to have to answer what the fucking diet of worms is. To I, I, I love it. It's just the question pops up is, do you remember when the bin men were hard? And it's like, yeah, okay, sure, I guess. Like, well, are, good, we've got you, hard bin yeah. men for you. Are you over 18? Uh, do uh, you know? Do you know who David Seaman is? Do you condemn Hamas? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And this is. I will say though, like this is not an original idea because you know, for the really old fucks among us, the original Leisure Suit Larry, you could play unless you answer general <laughs> knowledge questions about history that people under the age of eighty would know. And I could never guess them right. It was really fucking annoying. <laughs> do you That's condemn Hamas? Where in the world experience. is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say commentaria, and it's gonna be like fucking GB News or some shit. <laughs> I'm gonna say comment. Uh, I'm gonna this, say, is, this has the flavor. I'm gonna of, say comment of... as well. If, if it's got that like that specific degree of idiocy about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was another comment from the Daily Mail. <laughs> was it under the same article about porn? It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But it's slavering over Thatcher this week shows Starmer to be a man doesn't actually believe in anything, but he will do anything to get into Downing Street, even if it means praising a woman whose head most of his party would have liked to have seen on a pole. No wonder his comments sparked a furious row inside Labour Party when members see their leader expressing his admiration for a woman who all but consigned their party to the wilderness for nearly two decades. Mm. Is that comment or commentary at? That's hard. Uh, commentary at mail? Commentary I feel like the, syn- the syntax of that has a commenty feel about it. Mm. Mm. It's it's on the fence for me. It's, yeah. Yeah. Com- that, it's it, one of those ones that... It, comment garden. garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the reek of comment in the Guardian, but from someone who like, properly hate reads it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um I'm gonna say fuck. I'm gonna say commentary. Uh, yeah, that was uh, Caroli Maloney in the Express. <laughs> That's not a name. Express. I would never have gotten the Express. <laughs> and a, a column was titled "If Starmer Really Wants to Be Thatcher, First He Needs to Smash the Unions." <laughs> first, he needs to start taking estrogen. I would think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, one more. Britain didn't give up at Dunkirk. Churchill did not give up even when, with I the mean, exception of the Battle of Britain. We fucking did. <laughs> <laughs> no, que- no questions until the end, thank you. Um, Churchill did not even give up even when, with the exception of the Battle of Britain, we didn't seem capable of winning any battle at all. He knew he was fighting genuine evil, and he held his nerve even when cities were bombed and civilians suffered. Hamas is also evil and must be fought to the last man standing in its cause. Oh. Is that comment or commentary? Uh, Luke Hakers, Twitter.com. <laughs> See, the, f- the first half screams comment to me, but the back half kind of suggests commentary, and I'm not quite sure. Um, I, think, I think because of that back half, it's commentary. It, 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 yeah. yeah. Comment, commentary at Guardian. No, it's ex- it's the express or something. It's it has it has a delightful bloodlust. Commentary at GB News. 
Uh, that was return and champion Anne Whittacombe at the Express. Oh no! Christ! <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the uh, the the title and subheading of uh, of this article oh, and see if you can see if you can um, like spot the incredible lie here. Israel is right to resume bombing Gaza. It's the only way to stop Hamas. Subheading: It is not easy to say so, but I think Benjamin Netanyahu is right to resume the war in Gaza. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because of, cause of woke, you know, you hardly ever hear that opinion expressed. Yeah. yeah. I definitely believe it was hard for her to say that. Mm. Good God. Right, well, oh, well, that's your lot. Thank mm. fuck for that. We do like to end an episode with the taste of blood in our mouths. <laughs> so, once again, Alice, thank you very much for coming on. Um, welcome back anytime. Uh, thank so, you, yeah. yeah. yeah I'll we'll, take you off sure, on that. We'll rope you in for more yeah, please do. Um, well, we do have yeah. um, Ge- Gerard Butler oh. uh, Greenland migration no. coming up. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not hunting out on a guest. No. <laughs> Even if you did, only Lila. <laughs> well, I mean, Alice has yeah, been training. So. That's the only thing I'll say in her favour. Like, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I have the like training weights on for this. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, yeah, we have um, we have a lot of episodes coming out in the near future, uh, just to make sure that we've got enough going for Christmas, etc. More so if you are a patron. So um, for Christmas, why not forgo giving racist Uncle Gary something and get yourself a Patreon subscription. Patreon.com forward slash PraxisCast will get you one extra episode a month, except over Christmas where it will get you two, maybe three. I don't know. See how it pans out. Um, and yeah, uh, merch is available at praxiscast.tml.com and uh, at Alice, where can good people Praxiscast. find you? And, yeah. and Alice, uh, it's, uh, it's my fucking smoke alarm is going. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's enough podcast. Yeah, for that's, today. that's that's where you can find me. No, no. no. Uh, so I, I, I do I do three whole podcasts. Uh, I do a podcast about engineering disasters called "Well, There's Your Problem." I do a podcast about uh, bad movies and masculinity yeah, called "Kill, Kill James Gerald Bond." Butler. Called Kill Gerard Butler, uh, and I do a podcast about tech and finance and politics called Trash Future. Uh, you can follow all of those, and you can find me on Twitter at Alice Avazandam. Thank you so much for having me on. Likewise, it was a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you. Great. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Bye. 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 See Right. What a recording.